You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery! Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Ho, 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 ho. You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the ho, 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 Ohio Lottery. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. On today's episode of Hoop Dreams, myself and Steve break down episodes three and four of The Last Dance. We get into Dennis Rodman, Phil Jackson, um, all the crazy stuff that they went through during their careers. Found out Phil's on acid when he was playing. Obviously, we all know about Dennis Rodman and his uh, antics off the court. Um, We also get into, obviously, Phil being one of the greatest coaches ever and a hell of a basketball player that Dennis Rodman is. Also get into what we think we can expect to see in future episodes of The Last Dance. Uh, We talk about possibly seeing uh, Michael Jordan's gambling habit, um, what he was like in practice. Obviously, there's that huge story of him punching Steve Kerr. Um, so for me personally, that's what I'm most excited to see, how he was in practices and his intensity there and what he expected out of teammates. So we dive in and get into a lot of topics here. So hope you guys enjoy the show. Sit back and stay tuned. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Hoop Dreams. This is episode nine. I'm your host, Mark Belville here. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Steve Lewis. Uh, what's going on, Steve? What's going on, Mark? How are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I'm happy to be back with another episode of Hoop Dreams and um, breaking down the last dance, episode three and four uh, today. Um, I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was one of the most interesting episodes so far. Um, especially with uh, bringing out, you know, De- Dennis and Ro- De- Dennis Rodman and his character arc and everything like that, and to see, you know, his history and, and his his career kind of play out. And we all know Dennis Rodman and, and the stuff that he's been through in the media over the years and whatnot. But it was kind of cool to kind of see it up front and and brought back to our attention a little bit. Well, the best part about these documentaries is you never really know, like how a 10 part series is going to be. Is there going to be a lapse? Is it going to slow down? I mean, we already know how the results are going to be, but how much and how deep are they going to be able to go? And so far so good. And I actually listened to an interview with the, the director uh, Tolan and he's saying the best episodes are still ahead of us. We're, we're going to get into Jordan gambling. We're going to get into Jordan conspiracies we're going to get into Jordan's demeanor. We're going to get into other players, how they approach playing against Jordan. Um, there's a lot of good stuff to come. And I know that I was even more blown away by episode three and four. And I couldn't believe it because I was really impressed by episode one and two. 
Yeah, it's crazy, like you said, to 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 think about what we've seen so far in episodes one through four, and like we haven't even broke broke the ice yet on, on this documentary. Like you said, we still got Jordan and his nightlife and how he interacts with teammates. You still got the story of him punching Steve Kerr in practice. I pray to God they got footage of that. Well, like, I, I want to see. I want to see how that escalated. Well, I just didn't know how deep they were gonna go, and then until like the guy mapped it out and said that, like, yeah, we're gonna basically Michael was full proof like we he knows what the stories are about him he he was willing to talk about his father's death he was willing to talk about the conspiracies surrounding the death he was willing to talk about the gambling conspiracies with david stern he he was willing to talk about anything and everything and that actually blew me away because most of these documentaries you figure that they're going to be fluff pieces they don't want to go too deep into it and it just seems like michael just is unloading on anything and everything and as we saw he was not very keen to say nice things about those bad boys as we saw in uh, episode three. No, I love what we're seeing from MJ for sure. I mean, he even came out and said that, you know, after this documentary is, documentary is over, uh, people might think of him differently and maybe think of him as more, more of an asshole. Um, and we're getting a very candid Michael Jordan. He's filling us in on everything. Um, he's letting us know how he re- really feels about all the topics, and he's getting into it, uh, like you said, eventually, you know, with the gambling and then his father's death and all these stories. Um, he's really letting us into what he experienced back in the 90s. And uh, just to see him, you know, and the interactions that he had and, and how he felt towards uh, Dennis Rodman and whatnot and how Dennis Rodman had to go on his uh, 48-hour hiatus because he needed a vacation. Um, you know, and Michael, lo and behold, he wasn't as – I don't think he was as crazy as Rodman, but he had his – his little nightlife uh, going on between gambling and drinking and smoking cigars and whatnot. So he wasn't uh, the perfect uh, citizen as either. No, I mean, everybody's got their vice and Michael definitely is known for gambling, um, whether it's on the golf course or it's at the blackjack table. He's got numerous stories about talking about gambling millions and millions of dollars. It blows my mind though. And I know this is kind of like a little off topic to begin, but we're seeing Michael Jordan, the competitor, and we're seeing how deep it goes. And, and, and the thing I love about the doc is like they're flashing forward to the 97-98 season, the last dance. But we're getting to see how every season builds up. And we're getting to see every era in between now. Now I get it. So we're eventually going to get to the, I'm hoping, the, the, re, the first retirement. What was going on in between that? But my, my real question is, like, how is Michael Jordan, the owner, going to get brought up? Are we going to talk about, like, how shitty of an owner he is? Because, like, let's be realistic. Like, I don't know if, it, if it's more to do with the fact that if I'm looking at him as a player, how, how hasn't it translated to me saying, well, I would expect this organization that he's running to eventually have some sort of championship component to it? Because... Even when we look at like the teams that he's built, like he doesn't draft well, his team never approaches the luxury tax, which means he never is willing to spend. So, I, so I almost wonder like why he's even trying to be an owner at some points. Is he isn't just to try to profit money? Maybe that's a story for another day. But maybe but, I don't think we get that far though. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see them going past the ninety seven ninety eight season. Um, and they, are, they are they are bouncing around though so i mean like i said like tolan said he's an open book so i mean there's a lot of questions to ask him but like you said we got dennis Rodman and we got phil jackson and and don't sleep on phil jackson like those puerto rico stories that that was some good stuff right there but let's start with dennis Rodman. 
So what do you want to do with Dennis Rodman here? You want to talk about the dating life? Do you want to talk we, about... We can talk anything about his hit list. Who was on his hit list? Well, we had Carmen Electra. Well, we all right, well, Vivica A. Fox. I mean, well, the dude... So we'll talk He's about chicks. Well, yeah, but we'll talk about Dennis Rodman, the basketball player, first. You want to talk about that first? Okay, that's fine. So Dennis Rodman was a former bad boy. Actually, was competing against Michael Jordan. Um, was two uh, a two time NBA champion with the uh, the bad boys, and then he had a falling out. Went to the Spurs, I believe, for half a season, and then he was traded for Will Purdue. Yeah, which is like showing you steal like, for the Bulls, right? Yep. And then found a reinvigoration with the Bulls later on in his career. And obviously the episode spotlighted a lot about like Dennis Rodman, the player. Obviously, we can go into the theatrics later. But Dennis Rodman, the player, obviously had to do with not only a ball of energy, but the way that we saw him was like, wow, Dennis Rodman was a great rebounder. And just like any crap, there is a science to it. So... We were watching Dennis Rodman actually break down a film about how not only to defend players, but also how certain players would shoot a basketball, the way the ball would spin off their hands, and then how the ball would come off the rims and how he would actually sit there and be able to position himself correctly to rebound a basketball. Yeah, that's genius in his part, right? You could you would think that um, you know a lot of people don't really give Dennis the props for being as great of a basketball player that he was just because of all his off the court stuff. Uh, but to sit there and to um, watch film and watch the way people shoot the ball and watch the way that it's rotating and the way it bounces off the rim of your opponent and just to know what position to be in when that ball comes off the rim, I mean, that's next-level stuff uh, right there. That's why he's one of the greatest rebounders of all time. I mean, even back in the, when he was with the Bad Boys, and you know, he's one of the first defenders really that, that could play, you know, guard one through five. Um, and he's the – you know, he guarded Larry Bird. He, got, he guarded Magic Johnson. He was able to switch on, on Michael Jordan, obviously. Um, huge part of the Jordan rules uh, when they were, you know, his, their rule was don't let Michael get in the air because if Michael gets in the air, there's nothing you can do to stop him. You just got to keep him grounded. So he gave Michael a ton of beatings back in the day. Um, you know, one of the best quotes that I, that I heard from him is, is when he was traded for Will Perdue to go to Chicago. He had a meeting with Krause and Phil Jackson at, at Krause's house. And they're like, hey, do you want to come play for Chicago? <laughs> Rodman, typical Rodman fashion. He's like, I don't care. He's like, I guess, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he was kind of playing it down a little bit and they still ended up pulling the trigger because I mean, even though we had a little rough patch in San Antonio there and wasn't really the best teammate, um, they knew that he could really, you know, help them uh, try to get back into the championship uh, win column there. Well, by that point, he was becoming a little bit of a, uh, he was getting out there. He was starting to get into the bride's dresses. He was starting to color the hair. He almost um, committed suicide. Yeah, he wasn't in the right place. He was definitely having some serious bouts with mental illness. Um, but when he came to the Bulls, he definitely became that third piece um, alongside Scotty and uh, Michael that like platoon that second part of that dynasty run. And, and you saw it when they got to that final season when Scotty was sitting out that first full half. Like Michael really depended on Dennis – to be able to get that team back on track to be able to start winning ball games again. And they go talk about how when Scotty eventually came back, how like that actually was more of a detriment to Dennis's progression in that team, because once he felt like he wasn't as needed in Michael's, uh, more of his Robin. In Michael's eyes. Yeah. yeah Robin um, anymore. 
it kind of caused him to have that regression to what Dennis always was. And that was the, the guy that could go out and go on those benders and w- could still show up to the game and, and do what he necessarily needed to do. But, you know, from a mental side of it, you know, you just never knew like where he was going to be. And that's obviously like where they would get into it. You got, you got the Dennis Rodman, the unbelievable like ball of energy that, you know, if, when you got him in the right situation, he would do what he do. But then you got the party side of it where, you know, definitely there was some laughs because like, you know, Dennis Rodman was funny to watch, but it was scary too. You know, I mean, but Michael Jordan and those guys knew that you needed to let Dennis loose. So I think the last clip that we saw was Dennis needed a break once Scotty came back and Michael was like, what? He's like, how long does he need? He said, he needs a vacation. (laughs) And and he's like, how long does he need? He's like weeks. And he's like, get to me these 48 hours. And then Dennis is like, all right, next thing you know, he's on a plane down to what Vegas. And then I think that's what was the best. I think that was kind of the best thing about that, how their chemistry was between Phil and Michael and Scotty and Dennis was they all knew Dennis needed to do his thing. The, the, the best thing was to let, just let Dennis be Dennis. And that's how you're going to get the most out of him. And that's how he's going to help your team the most is by letting him just do what he does. Yep. And by that point, you're, you're already established. You're already champion. So, I mean, you already know what the proper, uh, the uh, the equation is to be able to get to the solution. And if Dennis needed to get rowdy and do his things, like that's what you needed to do. So so that was a good part of it. And and like you said, like the, the Dennis Robin that we saw was, you know, from the basketball side of it was the defensive juggernaut. But then on the other side of it, it was the playboy. Had a very, very impressive uh, list of women in, in his, uh, his repertoire a lot of uh, crazy women. And the most important one was the first one. And I think I never even knew that he dated uh genie bus. Dude, what a Fox, which blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. Uh, and who was Phil Jackson and Eskimo brothers? Absolutely. That's the biggest thing, right? So, <laughs> so Dennis hit it first, Ray J and then Phil Jackson, Kanye did it. Um, yes, exactly. Exactly. And any uh, tapes? Though? I don't think there was any sex tape though. But we did find a spread, old school spread. I know our oh, good yes. friend. I know our good, good friend Dill wanted me to bring that up because we did find it. Um, a genie bus spread. I mean, if you guys want to go look that up, you can sure you can. Dude, look genie that up. bus now, like genie bus now is smashable. Like she's a she's a fucking ten for her age. You know what I mean? Like, did you see a picture of her back in the day? It's like holy shit. And there was rumors of her going around like with Jamal Wilkes of the Lakers, all her dad's teams and players and. Yeah, uh, she wasn't innocent, man. She definitely got around. No, she definitely loved the locker room, and then, uh, and then obviously his theatrics went to you know. I want to say I know they ended up at Carmen Electra, but I mean there was definitely some. I think Vivica, Vivica Fox was in there. Um, Madonna, Anna Nicole oh, Smith before Ma- she got fat. Ma- Madonna offered him ten million dollars yep. to knock her up. Ugh. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I know I do know Madonna was like the first person that kind of told Dennis to like just just be Dennis. Like she started dating Madonna when you know he was going through like that kind of mental illness stage and was with the Spurs and kind of acting out a little bit. And he's like, she's like Dennis, just be yourself, just be you. And that's kind of when Dennis just kind of started letting loose and dyeing the hair and and wearing the big baggy jackets and the weird hats and nose rings, lip rings. Uh, that's when you started seeing that come out. So Madonna definitely was the one that kind of mellowed him out. But funny story about Madonna was by the time she met Rodman, like she was kind of like passing her prime and Dennis was coming into his own. 
So Rodman came, came out with a story and said, he goes, one night he's like, I'm at the blackjack table in Vegas and Madonna's calls the concierge to come over and talk to me because I wasn't answering any calls before the age of cell phones, obviously. Yeah. And it's a note saying, please have Dennis call me. Um, I need to get in contact. So he calls her and he said, listen, uh, no, sorry, please tell Dennis I'm ovulating. And he goes, Abel, who? <laughs> so he calls back and he's like he's like what is it he goes she goes i'm sending you my plane now he's like she's like i'm ovulating and then that's when it came out we gotta fuck now like he's like i'll I'll offer you 10 million dollars you come knock me up you know he got on the he got on the plane flew to new york did the thing was back in vegas 10 hours later no word of a lie that's just dennis robin to a t like that's just how he rolled like that's that's the name of the game and I and think that, been doing his thing, man. And and when Tolan said um, about the hardest interviews to track down, it was Dennis Rodman. He called him the white whale. He said he could not track down Dennis Rodman for anything. And it got to a point that when they finally got in the elevator together, they were coming up. He like looked at him and no word of a lie. He's like, what is this interview for again? And he's like, are you serious? He's like, this is for Michael Jordan and the last dance of your 97, 98 bulls. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, how long is this going to take? And he goes, I don't know. How long is he, how long you got? And he's like, I don't know, 10 minutes. And he goes, I don't know, Dennis, we're going to need a little longer than 10 minutes. Well, he goes, if we're going to need more 10 minutes, he's like, I'm going to need a tuna sandwich from Subway and some chamomile tea. And immediately Tolan's like, all right, we'll get you that. We'll get you in. And get the guy lock- whatever he wants. They locked up they locked up Rodman for three hours and he said that he got an hour and a half talking about that team and everything else. And the other hour and a half they just talked about Kim Jong in North Korea. And then and then Dennis Rodman went on his merry way. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I still think the best story about you know, kind of the girls that he's been with. It was a common lecture story that, that I, I came out. And I think I told you about this earlier. But she hopped on a bike, blindfolded his motorcycle, and they just start driving, which is, Jesus, I'm not hopping on a bike blindfolded. I'm not seeing where you're going. So it's going to be dangerous right there. And then they wind up at the uh, – they take takes her off the bike blindfolded. They get to the Bulls practice facility. He walks her inside to center court and doesn't unblindfold her until she gets to center court. And then – he ends up unblindfolding her there, and they just start fucking right on the court. Then they fucked all over the practice facility, training room, um, anywhere that you could think of. She said they were they were in there, um, which is like one of the craziest things that I've ever ever heard. That's just Dennis being Dennis. But not, but not shocking. The best. Uh, now back to we'll we'll move back to like the Bad Boys era since Dennis was on that Bad Boys team facing Jordan. So. Bad Boys team beat Jordan in 89. They beat Jordan and the Bulls in 90. And in that 90 team, they actually went to a game seven. And in that game seven, Scottie Pippen cried about having a migraine. And in that game, they got blown out. out. And you can see it. Like, obviously, we know about Michael and the flu game and and Utah and him battling through that. So we know, like, all about the theatrics. And even to this day, like, him talking about Scotty dealing with that migraine and, and Dennis actually was guarding him um, in that game. Like you can just see the disgust in his face. Like, I guess Scotty just had a migraine and, you know, he couldn't handle it and it is what it is. And I, and he I even think said the, that if he had Scotty that game, they would have won. Like he had no yeah. doubt in his mind if Scotty played, they would have won. And, and I think the, 
the the coolest part of like them doing these interviews is like when they ask some of these players the questions or they ask Michael the questions, they immediately give him a phone and they show him the other players' reactions immediately so they can see what other people are saying. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's awesome. I like you how know, they do that. So, so 89 happens, uh, bad boys win. Uh, 90 happens, bad boys win. And, and you see it, Jordan's trying to figure out how is he going to get by it. You, have, you brought up the Jordan rules, which was basically just beat the shit out of Jordan. Like, that's how it was, like, you know, like I think Jordan finally got an upper hand. Jordan kept going into the weight room. Finally, in '91, um, the Jordan and the Bulls sweep the Pistons, and and they had that whole thing where the Pistons decided to walk off the court um, with I think it was like ten seconds to go in the game. And not only that, but they had to like actually walk by the Bulls bench to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And there was a big, like, you know, like, cry fest about that, like, you know, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of animosity came out about that because, obviously, Jordan will come back being like, you know, that was, you know, unsportsmanlike, that's bullshit. And and on the other side, you get, like, the Lamb Bears being like, those guys are whining about us, calling us bad people and this and that. And then you had Isaiah being like, you know, it's just a rite of passage. Like, the Celtics did that to us. Yeah, but then if the you, torch. <laughs> but, if you, but if you remember, Mark, like, and this is what people don't talk about, when the Celtics lost to the Pistons back in 89, they were in the Silverdome, which was in Detroit. And back back in those days, you could storm NBA courts, court. yeah, and that's so, why they were getting off early. Exactly. So, so the bench players for the the Celtics were still on the court. They told like those guys that were on the bench, like just head back to the locker room now. Like they're gonna storm the court. Like get out of harm's way. Like so, like that whole Isaiah bullshit is whack. And it's just funny, funny because like we kind of like see like how like things resonate to these day, like we see like how like all these players today are so chummy chummy with one another. Like these guys fucking hate each other hate still. Each other. Like yep. they can't stand each other. We see Reggie Miller talking in interviews and we talked about it last week. Like he's like, I can't, he's like, I respect Michael, but man, I fucking hate Michael. Like we said, like some of the worst stuff to each other in the world. Like, you know, it was the same thing with like Isaiah. Like it got so bad that like they left Isaiah off the dream team and Isaiah clearly deserved to be on that dream team i mean we all know that he was a better player at that time than john stockton like no one's oh, ever yeah. gonna argue that and nope. he's one of the, the best point guards of all time you know what I mean? the thing was like isaiah was not liked by larry because larry bird he called he said basically larry bird would just be another uh basketball player if he was black so like there was definitely animosity yeah. towards larry bird you know I mean, he oh, made yeah. out with Matt. He made out with Magic. So I mean, Magic kind of. Yeah, liked him, we know that. Yeah. You know, but I mean, Michael definitely didn't like him. So the, the, there was definitely politics no. there. But Michael's like, never liked him from day one. Michael wouldn't have if Isaiah was on the dream team. Michael wouldn't have been on the dream team. You know, but that it's that's kind of that's kind of like Isaiah's like only thing that's not on his resume. He was a high school state champion. He was a NCAA basketball champion. He was an NBA champion, but he's not a gold medalist. So like. Nope. And he's not the gold medalist because who's ever on that team? So what you get for being a dickhead. <laughs> exactly, you were you were a dickhead, and I think the only other snub on that team was the fact that Shaquille O'Neal was not picked uh, for that team. I think Christian Leitner was picked on that team yeah. as the college player. Yeah. So that's because he was, and that's because he was college player of the year. Yep. So I mean that that's where it was, but like that's like where like that animosity holds, and you can still see it in those interviews. Like you know, these guys just don't like each other. Like that you know they they hurt each other. 
and and that's why like the game is different like like you have to respect Michael Jordan and those teams more because those guys were getting their legs taken out every game. Like, like they had to survive to be able to advance. They literally had to survive. Like, you know, like LeBron is a different kind of animal, but from a mental standpoint, I, I just don't think he'd be able to handle like those kind of like shit that they had to go through back. No, in the that's what makes the NBA back in the day so much better. Cause there was actual, actual rivalries. Like, you knew, you knew these people, these, these players hated each other. Um, you know, and then Jordan going to the basket and, and getting hammered and, and never complained, never, never bitched. Like they just got back up and they went on to the next play. And you see players nowadays with the flopping and the going to the basket, they barely get touched. They, they flop and arguing with the ref. I mean, some of these guys want to be able to handle how it was back in the day. The day. I won't go as far as to say LeBron, maybe mentally, but physically, obviously LeBron's an animal. Oh, physically, um, LeBron could definitely make it. You know, he could I, take I it. But, like, LeBron's weakness is, like, what would you say his biggest weakness is? Is probably shooting free throws. So, I mean, how many free throws do you think he would take since he goes to the basket so much? He, he was just getting hammered. You would just throw him on the free throw line. I mean, have you, seen, shooter, have, you, so. ha, have you seen LeBron flop? Oh, yeah, all the time. That's, I like, mean, that's the, 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 flopping, the, the flopping in the early 90s would not have flown at all. No, not at all. Like they would have yeah. laughed at they would have laughed him off the court. I don't even think yeah. those players knew what flopping was in the no. early nineties. Nope. They were just like like I said, they were just physical and I think I said the other when I was live tweeting it the other day, I even said like the bad boys pistons, if you threw them in a game these days, they wouldn't even make it out of the first quarter because they would all be ejected from, from Flagrant Falls if they were in the league today. You know what I mean? And uh that's I mean that's me me personally, that's why I think the nineties is just a better era of basketball. In, in I my mean, opinion. It, I mean, when I looked at, like, who the Bulls beat in the playoffs on their runs, like, they never really had, like, any lengthy playoff series. I think the Knicks took them to seven one time, and I think the Pacers took them to seven one time. Yeah, 98, they took them to seven, and then they've never been to a game seven in the finals, and they beat more 60-win. Michael Jordan and the Bulls beat more 60-win teams on their way to their championships than, than LeBron did. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, this, this era. You know, so when it ultimately came down to it, like the Bulls definitely dominated the era. And then you kind of like looked back at like the late 80s before like Jordan like took over the reign, like trying to get to that point. Like you had the Celtics and the Lakers and then you had Detroit Celtics Bulls and then you kind of had them to overtake it. And then at that point it was just Chicago and it was just Chicago show in the whole 90s era. One of the things since it kind of got me thinking since we're talking about that era and this era and kind of we're on Dennis Rodman a little bit, I was like bringing back and watching highlights of Dennis Rodman and just seeing his his hustle and the way he gets on the floor and he dives. There's that iconic picture of him doing like that Superman dive where he's getting the rebound. You've probably seen it a million times. Um, it kind of got me thinking like who in this era is like Dennis Rodman? And I couldn't think of anybody who busts his ass as much as Dennis Rodman did and how much he hustled and, and just did the little things of the game um, back in the day, uh, comparing somebody to, from this era. I was like, I just, I honestly could not pick anybody. I don't know if you can. Today's episode is brought to you by Clorox. When it counts, trust Clorox the same way we trust essential workers to provide the care they give to us. Families trust Clorox to give them a safe and protected home. Our community heroes trust Clorox to keep places like hospitals and grocery stores disinfected. So I know I too can trust Clorox to provide my home with a safe environment at home we can all enjoy. So I have a story for you, Amanda. Um, with Clorox, there's one thing I definitely use it for. 
every single time before I step into my vanity van, uh, I love the entire place disinfected because that's where I keep my makeup. Uh, that's where I get ready. That's where my clothes are. That's sometimes where I take a nap as well. So, you know, I can use it all over like time of need. So, um, yeah, it's been really, really, it just keeps everything super clean and I, I feel super safe. For me, it's important to share with loved ones and the public in general how they can give the most care for their loved ones, especially during times like these. I mean, with the pandemic going on, with COVID going on, it's just great to be extra sanitary with all the items that are around you, caring for others, and you know, just wiping down the door handle after you use the bathroom or wiping down so the bathroom. So important. The toilet. So important. The toilet handle. Don't forget the toilet handle. (laughs) So remember, when When it counts, counts, trust Clorox. And so I kind of bring that question up to you. I couldn't think of anyone. Tony Allen um, would probably be like one of the closer guys that like I can recall just like, see the funny thing about like Tony Allen was like until like people started daring him to shoot um, was useful because like he kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of like exposed his game. And then you kind of see it with like Marcus Smart now, like he's just an intangible player, like where he just makes winning plays all the time. And now even the season, like we finally just started seeing Marcus Smart actually offensively start being able to really pick it up. But Mm -hmm. Dennis was always the guy that you could look in the stat sheet and it'd be like four points, 17 rebounds. Um, I saw some weird stats. We had like like three or four games where he had no points, but he had 25, 26 rebounds. Like he didn't show up scoring wise, but you know he did work that game. And I just think that's a product of the triangle, um, honestly, um, because I looked at like the numbers like Detroit. He didn't really have like numbers like that in Detroit until like he got to Chicago where they were mm-hmm. that off balance. Yep. And 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 we'll, we'll move into like Phil Jackson, um, the innovation of the triangle, um, because obviously Jordan dominated the ball before Phil, Phil took over the team. And the innovation of the triangle at first took away half his points per game and the biggest issue with the triangle wasn't the genius of it it was the fact of Michael was having like real issues with the ball being in the the wrong hands at the wrong time of the certain points of the shot clock I think his like proper like I think his comment was like I couldn't stand the fact that Bill Cartwright could have the ball with five seconds on the shot clock and he had to be the one shooting the basketball. Force up a shot, yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't I wasn't fucking cool with that. Like, well, let's but be that's realistic. Ultimately makes, that's, that's what ultimately makes Michael, like, one of the, you know, greatest players, too, is that he's coachable. Like, what kind of superstar at that point, in the, you know, when Phil came in and he took over, at what point um, do you get a superstar like that just to buy into that system where, like, hey, Mike, you're probably not going to be the scoring champion this year. You're probably not going to win the MVP, but we're going to win more games and we're going to be better because of it. We need you to just buy into the system. And that's exactly what he did. There was multiple occasions where they'd run the triangle and on the opposite wing, you know, Michael would be uh, be double teamed. And on the opposite wing, he'd be like, hey, Mike, what's going on here? What do you see? Who's who's open? Like, oh, well, Paxton's open. He's like, all right, we'll find Paxton. So he would drive, you know, get to the paint, kick it out to Paxton. Paxton would knock down a three. So then again, they come down, Michael's getting double teamed, they double off of Paxton on the triangle, and Paxton's wide open, they do it again. And this happened in a game in the finals against the Lakers like three or four times, and that's when Michael realized, like, hey, he's going to go double team, i got to trust my teammates, and they're going to knock down shots, and we're going to win more games that way. Well, I think the pro- I think like also in, in, in the, the idea was that he 
basically came from a coach of like Doug Collins, where Doug Collins was just like, we're going to get Michael the ball. And that's all that matters. Like let Michael get the ball and 60 points. That's just the way it's going to be no matter what. And, and I think that was like the evolution of the team. I think Collins's last season was the season that they defeated the Cavaliers in five um, mm-hmm. coming off like that 80, shot season, I believe where he hit that shot against Elo. Um, which was funny. There was a funny clip. A future teammate Ron Harper was on that Cavaliers team, and <laughs> yeah. Cavaliers go up one point, and they're in the timeout. And Ron Harper's like, he's like, I'm going to take MJ, and I forget who the coach of the Cavaliers at the time was. Like, no, we're going to put Craig on him. And Ron Harper's like, what the fuck? You're going to put so Craig that's, Elo. That's not, that's not the first time he did that to Craig Elo, too. He's had a couple of game winners on Elo. You know, and you know, obviously we 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 saw what that was. Um, and and yeah, that was what, and that was all she wrote. And then I, I believe the quote was like, "Yeah, okay, whatever, fuck that bullshit, Ron Harper." <laughs> you know, you know. Dude, so I think one of the best parts too, since since we're on the triangle, dude, I think one of the best parts about the triangle is that it almost didn't happen. Like Tex Winters is the creator of the triangle offense, and he was the assistant coach with the Bill, uh, the Bulls, um, and he would kept trying to get Doug Collins to run the triangle, and Doug Collins wasn't hearing it and he was so sick and tired of Tex Winters talking to him about the triangle and, and trying to run it and stuff like that that he actually moved Tex Winters from the bench over to the scorer's table so he didn't even want him on the bench and this is how sick and tired he was of hearing about the triangle offense so this is never going to work and whatnot and then finally when Phil comes in Phil takes over uh, which was a tough decision because you fired Doug Collins after a winning season and you win your first playoff series so it was a successful season in their mind because they had not won their first series and now you got to make the tough decision of like they're kind of headed in the right direction, and you're just going to be like, all right, Doug, you're out of a job. We're going to bring Phil in, and that's when Phil and Tex got together and they implemented the triangle at that time. But one of the greatest offenses of all time. It's kind of crazy to think that it might have never happened uh, had that they not fired Doug Collins. I think the evolution of Phil Jackson was one of the funnier things too, because I didn't really realize how much Phil Jackson reminded me of Bill Walton until like I watched. Dude, the him and Bill Walton are like they got to be back in the day. They were definitely best friends. So basically, we're we're looking at Bill Walton as the guy that you know supports the Grateful Dead, and basically, I'm pretty sure is on, is stoned on he has every, done every drug under the sun. Every there's not there's nothing better than watching a Pac-12 college basketball game at 11 o'clock at night and having a Bill Pash Bill Walton game, and it's kind. <laughs> And it's like Bill Pash just sits there and he's like, all right, I got Bill. Like, he's the only one that knows how to tame Bill Walton. Like, he knows that Bill Walton's just going to, like, go off on, like, these, like, ridiculous soliloquies after a while. And he's just got to kind of, like, let him go, do his thing. And and when I started, like, seeing what Phil Jackson was and then his evolution, obviously, he played for the Knicks. But then his evolution to coaching, he found himself in Puerto Rico, which I never knew. And... Yeah, yeah. And, like, Puerto Rico basketball was, like, some crazy, crazy they won a, shit. They won a championship. But before they won a championship, like, he, he was telling stories that, like, they were, like, cutting rabbits, like, put, like pouring rabbits' blood on, like, opponents' benches prior to the game. Is Dude, like- that's what they do. A quick story kind of get off a little bit, but you remember uh, Jimmy Barron. Uh, one of the best, you know, where we live in Iran is one of the best shooters. Uh, he went and played overseas. He played at uh, University of Rhode Island for a while, then he went and played overseas in Turkey. His first season in Turkey, the coach brings everybody out to the parking lot, and they bring a goat in the middle of the circle, and they chop the goat's head off. 
and they take the I mean, blood and they they rub a mark on their forehead with it. Like, dude, that's some like next level crazy shit right there. That you just, in the United States, you, you're not used to that shit. I got a crazier story, and he even said it. So the mayor that of the team that he was coaching turned around, got so mad at the official, he shot him in the leg. Okay, and well, you're like, I mean, how bad mayor, was the official? Well, okay, so we don't we don't Did know. Did he deserve it? Well, I don't know. We don't know what the call was. But I was just like, so then I was like, well, what was like, like what happens to the mayor for like shooting the ref in the leg? His penalty, he was just, he was just not allowed to watch any more home games for the rest of the year. That's it. He wasn't charged with a, he wasn't charged with a crime. He wasn't sent away. He just couldn't see the game. It cost him any votes in the next election. That was Puerto Rico basketball for you. Like, that's where Phil Jackson got his roots from. Like, you know, so like, how could he not handle Jerry Krause, Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, Dennis Robin, and all these cast of characters? Michael, and then not only that, Kobe, Shaq, like, this guy yeah. knew exactly how to handle these cast of characters because of Puerto Rico basketball. <laughs> Like, uh, and then even create. I mean, this is a guy who was doing acid before games. Yeah, I mean, like when he was with the Knicks and they were winning championships. He won two championships in the seventies with the Knicks. I mean, the guy's just a champion. I mean, the fact of the matter is, so he ends up coming over. He takes over. He, he I believe, he was the assistant coach for Doug Collins originally. He takes he over. Was. Yeah, was the innovator of the team, uh, the innovator of the triangle. Obviously, that ends up platooning like what ended up being. Um, the eventual dynasties of the Chicago Bulls. And like, yeah, like, I mean, the rest is history after that. Phil Jackson's saga of the Bulls is what it is. I mean, I mean, we can argue if he's the greatest coach of all time. I I mean, people will say Red Auerbeck's the greatest coach of all time. Yeah. Um, I mean, Red Auerbeck, Red Auerbeck, I mean, if you're talking about innovators, I mean, he's the first person to draft a black player in Bill Russell. And he was first play, first coach to, to start an all-black start in five and, First guy to name a black head coach, and when Bill Russell was a player coach, I mean, he is kind of back in the you know the fifties and sixties, um, you know, when when racism was was huge back in the day, and you know he was kind of the first innovator in that sense, um, and obviously all the championships they won, you know, he was a he was a part of all, um, but one championship I believe, right? I don't think he was alive in 08. Um, so he was a part of all but one championship. Um, so I mean, he's he's definitely up there as far as I think it's him and Phil really as the top two coaches in the league easily. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and like I said, like he's done it with multiple teams. So, um, I mean, it's hard to argue against him. So, he's I got mean, three three beats, right? As a coach, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, not, it's, that's not it's, easy. That's not easy to do. It's hard. It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue against his uh, his resume at this point. And yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't really know how much more to delve into Phil Jackson or the craft of Phil Jackson. But I mean, other than that, like the episodes were great. I don't know if we missed anything. Um, uh, basically much nailed everything on there. Just looking forward to next week's episode. Like you said, we're going to get into really, I think this is going to be the juicy part of the documentary where we get into Jordan and, and, and his life and his, you know, his, I think it's going to come up to his first retirement and kind of what he was thinking during that time and his father passing away. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see more practice uh, footage because we haven't really seen much. We saw one where he was kind of berating Ron Harper a little bit, but we haven't really seen that intense Michael Jordan yet in practices and, and all the stories that you used to hear. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to the most So going forward. I just want, if there's anything that this documentary can bring, I just want 
NBA players to start hating other NBA players again. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, exactly. Right? Not I, even, I, like, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't even say, like, you have to hate because, like, like, Bird, Jordan, and Magic, like, they all wanted to beat each other. And Michael knew when he came in, he had to – Magic and Bird were the guys. He needed to beat those guys in order to be considered the best. Um, and they, they were friends off the court. You saw it when they interacted. They loved each other off the court. They're still friends to this day. But on the court, they wanted to rip each other's throats off. Uh, so I don't care if they're friends off the court. But when you get on the court, uh, let's go at each other. Talk some trash. You know, do – just be competitive. Um you know, don't slap each other, text each other before games or slap each other on the ass or give high fives. Like, it, we're, we're out to beat you. We want to kill you. We want to, you know, stomp on your throat when you're down. Just kind of old school, drag it out, knock down rivalries. Well, the rah-rah shit, I mean, like, in no other sport does it, like, happen, right? Like, I mean, we, we're, we're seeing it. Like, the only thing I can really, like, think about it is, like, the 2008 Celtics, right? I mean, the Ray Allen KG beef it still resonates to this day. Yeah. Like, you know, like, we can't even get these guys back together in the same room. Um, and I know as a Celtics fan and you're a Celtics fan, like Ray Allen definitely deserves credit for the success that right. Boston Celtics had. And mm-hmm. But deep down inside, like I understand that like you flipped and then you went to the one team that would definitely well, you went me. to your rival you went to the team rival yeah but you went to more than just a rival you went to that bitch lebron like you went to the yeah. team like yeah like there, there's a difference there like you went to the team that reconstructed themselves just to be able to beat you not not only to be like you but to beat you right like so yeah. like they designed themselves because they were like the only way that we can get by boston is if we do this like that's the why yeah. that whole big three happened because you were oh, the yeah, big you couldn't three. beat boston yeah you know so that's kind of like how like the whole evolution of like what the 90s were before like the bulls kind of like took off and like dominated everybody in that era it was just like the bad boys were always looking at the Celtics because the Celtics were always the ones that were like trouncing everybody in the Eastern Conference. Like it was Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, and it was always that team. And then the Bulls were always looking at the bad boys trying to get by them. And, you know, and then it was just kind of like that evolution of it. And, you know, and, and you can just see it. Like when you, when you go to war and, and you take those things personally and you take those losses and you carry them with you all over those off seasons and through it, like, you know, that resonates with you. You're seeing guys like Horace Grant, like Horace yeah. Grant, <laughs> Horace Grant. And that's another thing like Horace Grant, like given it, it comes is coming up in the next episode as I guess like a, uh, yep. he's giving out secrets and stuff like that, oh, you yeah. know, and, you know, and, but we are talking about, about like, Speaking about like rivalries too, I think that 08 Celtics team that we were talking about, I think that's probably like in recent memory, one of the only teams that other teams truly hated and they hated every other team. Like there was nobody on that team that was close with anybody else in the league. They were close as a team together, but KG obviously talked the most shit uh, in the whole league. He was the biggest trash talker. He got under everybody's skin. Rondo is one of the biggest pests in the league. Everybody hated playing against Rondo. Nobody got along with Rondo. Like that's one of the the last teams that I can remember um, that there might have been like that true rivalry against like we were talking about where there's no friends against any other team. They wanted to kick your ass um, and that's it. And they didn't want to talk about it after the game, you know, and that even in, internally, that was the same thing. Like you said, when Ray Allen left KG, Paris and Rondo, they didn't let him live it down. They wouldn't even talk to him. 
Um, so that, you know, that held true with that team throughout the, when that big three was together. And I haven't seen that since. Well, KG will say it like he's like, I, if I see LeBron, he's like, I'll say, yo. But he's like, I'm not running around over to the other side of the court to go have a conversation with him. And, and the truth will say the same thing, too. Like, yo, like he, he plays the same position as me. Like, I'm well, trying to get all these other players are scared of LeBron. Like, never I, from LeBron. I, I, like, like, that's my like, like when when you when I grow up, like the best players, not we guard each other. Like, that's it. Like, I'm guarding you. You're guarding me. Like, you know, it's the same thing back in the day. Like Reggie Miller said it like. I guarded Michael. He guarded me. Like you know, Scotty guy. Like like the you. I'm the best shooting guard in the NBA. I don't care what they fucking say. Like they can they can give you all the accolades. I'm still waking up every day with your fucking picture on my fucking mirror, and I'm telling you I'm coming for you. Like that's the way it's gotta be. Like every day. Like I'm not tweeting at you. I'm not like like that's why I love like like I love these OGs like Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes and <laughs> and these guys. That Their are, like, podcast running is the- awesome, by the way. Have you listened to their podcast? Oh, All yes. The yeah. Dude, it's fucking awesome. Like, like I love, I like, I love the chirping. Like, I love like when they like they because they call out these like these younger generation guys. Like, like even Draymond every once in a while gets out of hand. Like, dude, you know, like I hate fucking Draymond Green, dude. He is such a bitch, Mister Mister Triple Single. Dude, he came out today and he's like, he's like, oh, Prime Shaq, we we would have him. Me and Steph Curry would kill him in the pick and roll. I'm like, oh, yeah, Draymond, like, what the fuck would you do if you played Shaq in 2000? What would you do? He'd fucking be dunking on you, nuts in, in, in your face. Like, like who, this guy's coming out, he's talking shit to all the Hall of Famers just to try to be relevant again. You had a chance on a Golden State team this year with no superstars, just yourself, to, to prove that you were a huge part, and you can't even put up more than 10 points a game. You're, you're not even averaging double-digit rebounds. Like, <laughs> Like, well, that's what it is. What the fuck? You're trying to be relevant again, so you're talking all this shit to these Hall of Famers and saying you can do this and that, and you're trying to say that you were a bigger part of that team than Clay Thompson was. Like, I don't think so. That's not like I don't get what this guy's trying to fucking do or who he's trying to fool. No, it's just trying to do it. But I, I feel like you're gonna, you're gonna, I, I, I feel like some of these players are gonna look at these doc and be like, all right, I'm gonna have to like take like this angle that like these guys took back in the day now to like try to like get that edge back a little bit. And I hope some of it's not fake. But you know, like I said, like I, I, I do. I do love this old school stuff. Another great episode of this old school rap uh, montages with the, like like the uh, with the score. Great music lo- again. <laughs> it's it's well produced, and the one thing that I didn't realize is like the, they just they just finished up episode ten. Like we thought that they had all these episodes done, and they decided to put these episodes out. They they've been rushing to like actually finish getting these together. Um, oh wow! Okay. And, and that, that was huge because I think Tolan, the the best comment that he made was like in a world with so much stuff that's going on, we look at sports and, and it's really stuff that's really not important. Like we, we, we grasp onto things like sports every night when like there's different storylines that like seem bigger in the grand scheme of life. And then something just like this stops everything and we realize that, you know, like these storylines aren't that big of a deal. But if the doc can give people two two hours to be able to salivate about like anything to talk about, like then you know the, it was all worth it. You know, so like that, and that's, that's one of the best what, things we love about sports is it brings everybody together. 
that's what it is. But like, he's right. Like, right. Like, so like these beefs and like all that stuff, they're really, it's really not that big of a deal, but you, until you lose like all that stuff, you don't really realize like your mind just kind of like needs it. Right. It, mm-hmm. it, it might be useless in the grand scheme of it because of how much other stuff is bigger in life. But I mean, all I know is like, I can't wait till get to Sunday night to watch two more episodes of what's going on and to know how deep they are going with these episodes now. And, and I don't want, and I want to throw this out to the viewers. Like it's kind of like games of throne games of Thrones stuff, but like these, some of these episodes are already leaked ahead of time. I recommend like not going out out of your way to search them, like kind of like treat it no, as like, build, you need the build up, you know, get excited. Build it up, enjoy it. Wait till the podcast to come out. Enjoy the enjoy the talk, the banter, you know. Yep. But to but to know that we're gonna get sto- like I I always told you that, and it, it's not a great conspiracy, but with with Jordan and his father, like that the biggest thing was like it, it just seemed pretty weird that Jordan was just like I'm my my father died by murder, and now I feel the need to like live out this baseball dream and walk away from basketball after winning three championships in the prime of my career. That big conspiracy theory was that he was in a lot of gambling debt, which we obviously know that he's a huge gambler and the mafia like sent out a hit on his father to send a message to him. And with Jordan being such an influential figure in the league, David Stern was basically like, listen, like walk away from the game for a little while, let everything kind of like simmer, do something that's going to make you happy and we'll 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 kind of like you know handle it, and then you'll be able to come back in a year and a half, and and we'll be able to reset things. And you know there was a lot of information that basically shed light on it, and to be able to know that like they're willing to like get into anything and everything, and he and and I know that these guys hear these things, and I know that they're not living under a rock, and for him to be able to absorb it, and I'm and I'm sure we're not going to get the real honest answer about it. No, but, but I think it'll dig into it a little bit more than what we know already. Or what yes, we think we know. I mean, I mean to to know that to know that you have to like with some of these guys. I mean, we're even seeing it now with the pandemic. A lot of people will tell you that Bill Gates, being one of the big pandemic guys, is the one that wanted to release this virus into it just so he could turn around and vaccinate people. You know, for population control, like that, that's just what people do. Like they spin things out of control, but the fact that we're going to be willing to get a, a, a story and an answer to something or a reaction, because it kind of stinks that like David Stern passed away this year because David Stern would have been a great interview. I don't even know if we did. I, do we have any interview for David Stern? In I haven't seen any David Stern yet, but this documentary has been in the works because it got approved in 2016. So we might get some David, uh, David Stern stuff, yeah. which would be awesome. I think that would be, the best uh, for this interview because he lived it. He was the commissioner through the, all those years. Uh, so his insight would be perfect for it. So uh, definitely something to look forward to. Like you said, the buildup. I mean, just wait. Don't don't try to leak these episodes and watch them early. If you just let it build up, it'll be no, this, better sun, on Sunday nights. And, you know, this, as this far stuff, as – Yeah, this stuff's going to get deep. This stuff's going to get deeper. Like this is more than just 97, 98 last dance. Like you're going to get all, all Michael – through all the way up and you're you're gonna get the way he approaches things the way he felt the way everybody else approached it and 
And we called Jerry Krause a snake last week, right? And that was your big takeaway from like how you took away from the first two episodes. And oh, yeah. Cohen wanted to actually hope that people would kind of like look at Krause as being bullied. Like we looked at because, yeah, he, like, I mean, he was. I mean, he definitely was bullied by I mean, like, we, we, and Pippen and the jokes that they had for him. No, there's I mean, no doubt that he was. So, like, he, he didn't want people to like dig up a dead person and and repeatedly kick him in the face. Like we kind of like responded to last week, and he wanted to them to be able to say like, yeah, like this is the way we treated this guy. He kind of deserved it, but at the same time, like he did definitely deserve more credit than he was due and he just didn't really get that. So it is what it is, but you know, like that, that, that was what his hope was like he, cause he really had to deal with a lot, eat a lot. And, you know, from an emotional standpoint, I mean, we, we see how what bullying does to people today. It doesn't matter. I mean, we saw what Jerry Krause looked like and we, and, we, and I'm telling you like that space jam character is definitely Jerry Krause. Like oh, 100%. You know? Michael <laughs> Jordan was in production meetings, like they're drawing my character and he's like, all right, you're going to make him a little bit more rounder. Yeah. That, okay. That's Krause. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where they're trying to draw up the pictures. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, definitely, like you said, it was, he deserves a ton of credit because he put these teams together. Uh, but I think he just, at the end of the day, he wanted more credit than than what he deserved. At the end of the day, the players are playing the game, the coaches are coaching it. They're more uh, detriment to your team winning a championship. They're more important um, to your team uh, as far as winning championships. So, um, but I think that kind of about wraps this up for this episode. We kind of touched base on everything, um, gave you guys a little preview of what you might see going forward. Um, and, and like we said, we're all very excited to, to wait this week and, and the build up and, and get ready for episodes uh, five and six on Sunday. Um, so uh, for myself and for my co-host, Steve Lewis, um, we're going to let you guys go and we'll talk to you guys later. Ciao. Hope everyone enjoyed episode nine of Hoop Dreams. Um, just want to let you guys know you can follow us on Twitter, myself and my co-host, Steve. Um, my handle is at Hoop Dreams underscore MB. And Steve is at S Lewis five, six, five, six. Make sure you follow us. We get all updates on the podcast. You can listen to us on all your podcast platforms, uh, Google podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, make sure to like, uh, and comment anything. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing so we can make this podcast great for you guys. Your feedback is much appreciated. Um, really appreciate you guys listening to this episode and you can look forward to another one dropping uh, next week. So uh, until then, make sure you guys always follow your hoop dreams. as everything seems this holiday season one thing still holds true year after year everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the ohio lottery and with tickets available from one to twenty dollars they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older so stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift giving give scratch-offs from the ohio lottery lottery players are subject to ohio laws and commission regulations please play responsibly 
Are you feeling unsure about when you need to wear a mask, when to stay six feet apart, and when to keep gathering small? The answer is simple. You need to do all three anytime you're with someone you don't live with, inside or out, even with family and friends. When you wear a mask and spread out and keep gathering small, you're helping slow the spread of COVID-19. Learn more at coronavirus.wa.gov. A message from the state of Washington.